Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. those sayings like the grass is always greener or you don't know what you got until it's gone. I even think they did a song about that. But, you know, really it's all about the difficulties of being happy with where we are and who we're with. And so often we focus on what we don't have versus what we do. And especially in this day and age, right? Like in the world of swiping and texting and streaming, I mean, no one has to wait any longer if you think about it. And we are so used to getting things instantly. So when the going gets tough, and you don't get what you want, or things become a little bit difficult or on edge, it's so much easier to go to the next thing, right? Rather than really working on something, cultivating it, embracing what you have. So take relationships in the dating world, for instance, (laughs) since you know that's what we usually talk about. I'm, again, throwing myself under the bus because I I remember getting caught in that cycle. Like when I was young in high school, I I actually didn't date. I didn't have a boyfriend. I was just like friends with everybody and I did a lot of activities, but I remember daydreaming of having a boyfriend. I would look around at my friends who had one and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I have a boyfriend. And then I get to college and I, I had my first boyfriend. And then I found myself, I couldn't wait to get married. I just couldn't wait. And then I got out of college, I get married and oh my God, I couldn't wait to get out of the marriage. <laughs> and then I would daydream what it was like to be single. And then I get single And I got jealous of people who dated a ton of people. And so then I date a ton of people. And then I couldn't wait to be in a relationship. It's this vicious cycle I see so many of us go through. So when does it stop? I mean, if you think about it, it it will never stop really. Because dating and relationships take work. And if you are willing to do the work and embrace where you are at, It can be a beautiful thing. Now, I'm not talking about ones that are toxic or not healthy for you. I'm talking about sometimes there's rough patches and relationships are tough. But how do you keep it going? I mean, how do you keep the flame going and sustain emotional intimacy without the temptation of swiping to the next? I'm happy to say that a lot of my clients that I work with, many, get into relationships. So a lot of people don't know this, but I help people no matter what phase they are in. I mean, a lot of people call me because they want to learn how to date, but then once they catch the guy or the gal, then how do you keep them? And sometimes I get contacted by married people or people who are in relationships. And then I teach them how to date their partners again after they've been in a relationship for a long time. Because let's face it, things do get stale. There was a woman who I worked with recently who totally lost her way with her husband. And she called me up and she was ready to give up on the marriage. She had, um, you know, for a very long time been married. This was her second time around. And she thought she had found her soulmate. 
But she realized her husband kind of fell into this alpha type of guy who controlled a lot of what they did, what she said, and she didn't feel connected with him. And most importantly, she felt a lack of confidence in her ability to express her feelings and needs. And what was interesting about this case is that he openly told her that he didn't like that she wouldn't stand up for herself. And he would get so frustrated at her lack of confidence. So then he would, you know, get more boisterous and would speak, you know, for her. And because she wasn't happy with her own life and didn't express her feelings and emotions with him, she was miserable. She was absolutely miserable. And she was thinking of leaving the marriage. So we really worked on building her self-esteem and finding her purpose and building out a social life to make her life more fulfilling, independent from her husband. And she started working on her career. We mapped out a plan. But the biggest thing we worked on and I helped her with was finding her voice. And one day, as the universe has it, her husband and her went to the gym and she ended up almost fainting. And everybody was kind of rallying around her. Oh my God, are you okay? Okay. And he was kind of nowhere and he wasn't attentive to her in the way that she was hoping he would be. So she finally got the courage after working together to say how she felt and ask for what she needed. And lo and behold, he was oblivious to the fact that she needed what she needed from him and didn't even think she was that bad because she was so used to just kind of pulling things in and holding it together. It was a huge breaking point for them because it was the first time she asked for what she needed and he heard a more confident woman that, and he liked it. And from that point on, I'm happy to say like their relationship deepened and she continued to talk about her feelings and worked on effective communication. And today they are better than ever. I just actually got an email from her and she said she has a new career direction and they're actually moving to a place where she always wanted to live. So staying with things and deepening an emotional connection can be amazingly rewarding and fulfilling. But again, that's easier said than done, (laughs) which is why I brought someone very special on the podcast today to help me talk about not just strengthening and deepening relationships, but strengthening sensual passion. I mean, who doesn't want to know that? Even single people should be listening to this. And emotional intimacy in relationships. She is a physician turned relationship and intimacy expert. I love that. And we like instantly connected me being a therapist, her being a physician. We talked about how important that holistic approach is. Drawing upon her experience as a medical director, relationship and intimacy expert, as well as her marriage, ready for this, of 23 years. I totally bow to you. (laughs) And she helps committed couples shift from thinking that long-term relationships are where passion goes to die to discovering how to create the exquisite emotional and sensual intimacy they crave. And for 20 years, She has been showing men and women how to bring pleasure and purpose into all aspects of life, from the daily grind of running a household to ecstatic experiences in the bedroom. I can't wait to hear this. Welcome, Alexandra Stockwell. Hi. Hi, Kim. What a beautiful opening. I just loved everything you shared, and it's really a pleasure to be here with you. 
Oh, well, thank you. Well, I love you. Like we, it was kind of like an instant love connection that I think we connected on Facebook or something. So I was super excited to have you on and have this conversation. And, you know, to me, I mean, obviously you being a doctor, I mean, you just rock. Um, but more important, like, I just think it's so impressive 23 years in this day and age. I mean, that's really impressive. I would, I would love to hear your story. Like, first of all, how did you meet your husband? And like, what has what your secret been? You know, okay, I'll, I'll tell you how I met my husband, but I want to answer the question about what has my secret been? Because ah. there was no secret. I, I <laughs> at all. Because um, my parents were divorced. My step-parents were divorced. His parents were divorced. Like, we just came from a lot of divorce and um, we got married and I definitely knew he was the one and I had like I mean this casually I'm going to be careful talking to a therapist but it was like I had split personality again not literally (laughs) where on the one hand like I loved my husband I loved the life we were building and Mm. um, it was deeply collaborative with the basis of our relationship being our own and one another's growth. Like there's a lot to share about that. And simultaneously, absolutely from the get-go, I don't mean in some dramatic way, like the morning I got married, but just like as we were living together, certainly within the first year of marriage, I had this like running track in my head doing mental notes so that in the future, I could tell my children what a wonderful husband and father he'd been, because mm. clearly we wouldn't be together and they wouldn't be able to experience that. Like, I just, on the one hand, was totally devoted. And on the other hand, there were, like, because of my childhood, which is one I share with countless other people, mm. it, I just didn't have within me the imagination that it could actually last and deepen and grow and improve and really be the container for amazing living. I love that you just shared that because, I mean, I think we all have that. I always talk about, we all have these like default buttons that we go back to. And it's just, it's just like we're pre-programmed for some of this stuff. And it's almost like, you know, not believing that we can have something different when we've been programmed a certain way or if we lacked role models in a, in a certain essence. So I, I love that you shared that. So then, yeah, like how did you kind of get past some of that, you know, pre-programming for yourself? Well, you know, that pre-programming, there's the really obvious blatant part, like my parents mm-hmm. got divorced. Am I going to be able to last? Which right. is both an intellectual question, a question like at the cellular level practically. But There's also really subtle ways that that creeps up. One of the first ways my eyes were really open to this was when um, I have four children. My oldest is a daughter. And when she was six years old, which is the age my husband was when his parents were divorced. But when she was six years old, things started to feel weird between us, between my husband and me. And I we have each done a lot of personal growth and therapy and various kinds of um, becoming aware. And it just didn't make sense to me. Like it wasn't, there was no issue between us. There was no 
I really just couldn't figure it out, but it felt weird and like we weren't really connecting in a way I couldn't account for. And um, at the time my mother had just died and I was seeing a therapist for that. And I mentioned that my marriage just felt strange thinking maybe it was part of my grieving process. And I had such a fantastic therapist who said, well, how old was your husband when his parents got divorced? Mm. How old my daughter was. And as soon as I went home and told my husband, it was like he breathed more easily. Our, Our marriage again felt totally aligned and normal. And he went on this whole journey because it was so confronting and actually painful to see our radiant, beautiful six-year-old daughter and to imagine what his experience was when he was that age. And so again, we have four children. He was six when his parents were divorced. I was nine. That is a lot of opportunities to now oh my god. There's a lot of (laughs) I was gonna say four times there were six year olds, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. And each time there was something else to access because we grow up appropriately. It's one of our like amazing skills as human beings that we can pretty much overcome anything. And then one of the main ways is by like putting it aside. But then in adulthood, in order to have really vital, vibrant, juicy, sexy, unapologetic, intimate relationships, mm-hmm. we need to go back and collect those parts of us that were kind of parked until we could integrate them and having a child who's the age you were when you got divorced is a big old invitation for that inquiry and integration. That is awesome. I just want to highlight what you said just for, you know, you listening because what I what you're talking about is so important and like how I was starting out the podcast by saying it's so easy just to like get out of something or go to the next thing, you know, that makes you feel better. Even when things are just feeling a little bit weird, like you said, the fact that you were able to make that connection for yourself and have that awareness. I always say that's like the first state of change is just awareness, right? Like I think so many times when we go to the next thing, we don't work on something. It's just, it's right. It's easier just to get like a quick hit to make us feel better. Cause you know, go have sex with someone else or do this or that or whatever it is, you know, but the fact that you connected the dots and figured out what that weirdness was, was huge. And I think that is a great first step for people in general. Yeah. In fact, um, one of the beautiful exercises that a couple can do, you know, honestly, I think it could be done very early in a relationship. I'm typically uh, recommending it many years, if not decades into a relationship, but for a couple to uh, tell what John Gottman, who's a mm-hmm. amazing researcher of um, marriages and couple behavior, what he calls the story of us, where you t- tell your story and highlight the challenges as learning opportunities and how mm-hmm. that really is fuel for going forward, open to learning more and deepening the work. 
Oh, that's so cool. Do you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but I used to do improv back in the day. (laughs) Um, I didn't, but you had that sparkle. That makes sense. No, I did. But you know what the most fun thing, and it's it's funny, I didn't even put the two and two together because I know John Gottman, but um, I did this thing called playback theater. And what we would do is we would go around to like different businesses, nursing homes, um, facilities, And we would have somebody come up in the audience and share their story. And as improvers, we would play back their story within five Mm. minutes to them. Mm. Mm. And it was kind of like what you're saying. It was so powerful because when people told their story, we as the actors would hear something different that we would bring to the surface of the storyteller. And it, I mean, the breakthroughs that people would have seeing their story play out, like things they didn't realize that was like, you know, kind of a pivotal moment in their life or something that made them feel sad or frustrated, you know, as the actors were acting that out. It's so wonderful. I love that you just said it's so weird. I just got like chills. So I like, how does the exercise play out if you're just, you know, with a, you know, you and your husband or you and your wife? Well, so we all, whether we're talking about it, having this amazing transformative experience that you've just described, or just going about our business, not putting a lot of attention to it. We all have a story, uh, you know, someone like if someone says to me, tell me about your life, I have a way of talking about the important events in my life. Mm. And um, for a couple that I give this assignment to, um, I just gave it to a couple this morning, actually, I was coaching them and they love one another deeply. And they actually have a great deal of hope about their future and what's possible together. But they've had a number of extremely painful phases in their relationship and they still look at those as painful kind of wishing they hadn't happened and that is actually a dangerous stance because Mm -hmm. every step before brings you to where you are now and um it really nourishes the relationship and deepens the connection if together a couple can kind of create a narrative to describe the time from when they met and got together and the evolution of their relationship with the things which are obviously wonderful and the things that also were very painful, but Uh to really have a narrative which is affirming. It it sounds a little bit vague, I suppose, without a specific example. So let let me give you an example. So let's say, this isn't true of the couple this morning to be perfectly clear in case they hear this episode, but let's say that, um, um, a husband cheated on a wife. And so when they talk about that, or when she talks about it, let's say she could talk about how he was just, he betrayed her. It was the worst thing that's ever happened in her life. And happily they've moved past it. That's one way of talking about it. And it sounds to my ear as I do it, I'm intending to convey that like she just wishes she could snip that part of her life out of the timeline and attach the bits before and after. Mm. And instead to be able to say, my husband had an affair. It was an 
extremely painful time. It was really confronting, but it was the catalyst that had me look at how I was showing up and how I was being kind of stingy with my love. And I became generous and expressive and we became so honest with one another that we could really tap into a way of relating, which is really the thing we were yearning for all along. Do I wish we might have gotten there more easily? Maybe, but the thing I really celebrate is that now we relate that way. Mm, yeah. So it's like, it's finding the gifts. And I think when people are going through stress and bad times, it's so easy to focus on what's not working rather than what did and hone in on that, which is such a beautiful thing that you highlighted. It's, it's kind of like what I do with um, a lot of times my, my clients and just dating their partner again. Like it's almost like going back to basics of what attracted each other to begin with. And even replicating like a first date, you know, things that they used to do before children and, and even like, you know, the endorphins that get going and you know this as a doctor you know like just the organic piece that I love that and I've seen that in your um, various podcast episodes I just love that idea of dating your partner again and it's also Mm -hmm. helped me um, in thinking about that refine how I think about it which is slightly different but very compatible and complementary because I think One of the main reasons that long-term relationships are um, rarely fantastic. Mm. Certainly there are people who fight and they're thinking about divorce and they obviously aren't happy with one another. But the majority of couples are what I describe as conflict-free and passion-free. They're Mm. basically tolerating the relationship, deeply devoted, love one another, a lot of great times, but also kind of tolerating the relationship. And um, I believe that that's because we have a lack of models and a lack of education, which are two different things. But in terms of the lack of models, like if you want to be a fantastic golf player, you emulate Tiger Woods because as mammals, right, we learn mm-hmm. through imitation, that that's right. biological reality. And if you want to be great at innovation, then maybe Elon Musk is someone whom you want to emulate. But when it comes to relationships, we really have very few couples that we can look to who have a long-term relationship, which is connected and centrally delightful and similar to how you or I or anyone else would want it. Because there definitely are people whose parents and grandparents have very loving relationships that they admire, but it doesn't mean that they want their relationship 
to be like that. That's so true. Like I'm thinking about that as you're talking about, if you think about like storybooks and, you know, even fairy tales, it's always about, you know, the, the woman catching her prince and, and it's always the beginning stages that, you know, or even the bachelor, bachelorette, it's all about exactly. finding a man, find, but there's not a lot of emphasis or like a storybook on long-term relationships of 50 years. <laughs> like actually that would be a good kid's book to be honest. Yes, it would. I think we just came up with something. I think we should Amazing, like go to the publishers right now. <laughs> yes, there are books to help children with grief, yes. with families, with racial, you know, awful behaviors. But I don't think I've ever seen that either. And that's when the message needs to go in. Okay. So while we're talking about that, let's get a little juicy here because I know everyone's like waiting to hear. We kind of teased everyone that you have these, you know, you, you help people with these ecstatic experiences in the bedroom to keep that sensuality going. So like, are there any juicy tips that, or secrets that you can share that you Yeah, I've got two. One. Only two? Well, well they will take well, you very far. Her. Two will go very, very far. Okay. And, uh, there's always more. And that's always true. So the first one may be um, surprising, actually. But it's my experience that one of the biggest blocks to sensual intimacy and really sexual bliss for the long term is withholding the truth what you shared in the introduction uh-huh. was so on point I was just grinning while I listened <laughs> because um, the way that I like to say it a little bit provocative is that um, people learn that compromise is essential for couples relationships and I believe that being uncompromising is essential to a great relationship and is Ooh. really the key to passion and fulfillment. And what I mean by that is, yes, you need to speak up about what you want in a way that your partner can hear it. And whether it's which restaurant you prefer, which house you want to live in, or how exactly you want to be touched and where. And we're so used to accommodating our partner's preferences and getting into habitual ways of relating that we end up compromising. And the dynamic of compromise is one that if it's happening anywhere, it's going to happen everywhere in the relationship. Oh my God. It's so true. Things become so routine in the bedroom, just like it does in the relationship. And, and honestly, this is no different than what I teach in the first stages of dating. It's, it's kind of having a little mystery about you and shaking things up a bit. And that's in a way that's what creates attraction right? Like that is what this, and to keep that going in a couple, I think that is so key. So that's, no, that's a great tip. I love that. Yeah. And actually, um, when couples come to me for coaching, uh-huh. um, most typically they love one another. They really are devoted. They're not, they don't want to separate. They have a good life together. And then it comes out that maybe they, their sex isn't that satisfying or they haven't had sex in six months or two years or 13 years, you know, it's, it's variable. And 
about 80% of the time, we don't even get into sensual, sexy topics in learning how to be honest and reveal yourself unapologetically. Mm. You just invite in all those energies that you wanted in the first place. So that's the one tip. Okay. Yes. Is um, to slow down. And that, of course, is not unique to me. Anybody uh, who's (laughs) paying attention to this arena does that. But the thing that I really want to add is to slow down and feel. And Uh, yes. It's a little bit of a pivot. It might look the same, but it's a pivot Mm -hmm. in where the attention is because um, it can be very confronting and takes a lot of courage and tenderness and vulnerability and compassion and humor too, because funny things happen. Um, For a woman to slow down enough so she's feeling what's happening and for a man also the most exquisite sensual ecstatic experiences happen when a man goes through enough of a kind of transformation to also feel and savor each moment and when whether it's two women two men a man and a woman when anybody or whomever, there are a lot of different constellations, but when everyone present is truly feeling, then of course you can speed back up. There's a lot that happens fast that's pretty fantastic, but to have it be at the pace that you can actually experience and savor the sensation is key. Oh my God. And this is so important when it comes to flirting with your partner. This is no different. Ladies, if you are a woman listening to this, this is exactly what I mean when it comes to flirting. I was, I was coaching a woman. It wasn't too long ago. And, and actually this is something I see all the time with the slowing down thing is ginormous, both in the dating world and in relationships, because not only, I think you're right. Like people just get in a place of almost like you know, repetition, complacency, and just this rote thing that sometimes like we speed things up or we don't pay attention to the pace. But on top of it, we're in such a like fast world that we're just getting ahead of things. We don't, we don't use that time to really connect with people. But I, this woman that I was coaching, she was going a mile a minute. Like I could not slow her down in the way she was talking, but more importantly, the way she was walking, like just, I like she sped up ahead of me. I and I just stopped, and all of a sudden she was like ten feet ahead of me, and she's like, "What, Kim? Where are you? What? Where are you?" And I said, "Um, excuse me, I'm back here. Can you come back here for a second? <laughs> I I said, "You are going so fast." Did you see that guy checking you out? She goes, what guy? I said, exactly my point. So she was missing opportunity everywhere she went because she wasn't slowing down. So slowing down in your partnership, slowing down in your pace of of the way that you talk, the way you walk, and the way you connect with people, I think is just a huge tip, I think, for everyone out there. 
Love it. I love how you've described that. And I, to- I just, that's a beautiful <laughs> story. And I want to um, convey how that can work physically because you described that we, you know, we can imagine it right away. And one of the ways to practice this, and um, this is something really to start by practicing on your own, is if you touch yourself, like could even, you know, it could be anywhere, but let's just say on your forearm, if you put your hand on your forearm, typically you're feeling that with your, if, let's say you put your right hand on your left forearm, you are feeling that and having the experience with your right hand. And if you wait long enough, you will start to feel it with your left forearm so that you're feeling it from both sides. And that's when it's really connected and you're present and you're no longer moving too quickly. And then you can start touching and aim to maintain feeling it with your hand and with your body underneath. Is that clear? Yeah, no, that's so good because it does, it grounds you. It makes you aware of what's going on, you know, with your feelings, but also that touch piece, you know, Mm -hmm. again, the mind and the body are so connected, but sometimes we become disconnected with it because we're not aware and we're going so fast. So that is a great way of like slowing down. Well, I, these are great tips. And actually, Alexander, I think we came up with a magic formula for people. So I want to just highlight all the juicy tips that you just came up with and we did together. So the first one is just becoming aware. Like if you're feeling weird in a relationship, like what happened with you and your husband, but it's, I think that's just with all of us. I mean, I think sometimes we just forget to stop and think about what is the weirdness? What is going on? So that is the first step to change. The second is that exercise is fantastic. The story of us and really like honing in on an affirmative experience that reminds us of the gifts You know, even in those bad times, what are the gifts? Why are you there? What is it that you want to work on? And then, of course, dating your partner is a great way of doing it and getting back to the basics. And then finally, instilling the sensuality and sexual bliss. And you gave those two juicy tools that we can do right away with that. So this has been awesome. Thank you so, so much for coming on. What I... Obviously, I'm sure you're going to have last parting words of wisdom for somebody out there. So if you want to say anything and then also tell us where we can find you. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so I think my parting wisdom, which will be like the nice bow on top of this gorgeous, lush conversation is in order to have something wonderful, you have to be clear what you want, just the way any business past a very young stage is going to have a business plan to really have a plan for what you want. So um, if you're a couple to have a vision for your conscious partnership, a, a relationship vision, if you're single, you can do that too. Like what kind of relationship do you want? And when you have that clarity, then that can be your North Star to guide you towards it. Oh, I love that. And I feel like that should be the ending of our storybook that we're going to write. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The North, yes. Star, the North Star. I love that. No, that's fantastic. Where can everyone find you? 
alexandrastockwell.com. And um, I have there, if you uh, fill out the form, I would be happy to send anyone who's interested the six qualities of conscious partnership, which includes Ooh. some of what we talked about and a little bit more because anyone who's going to clarify, you know, if you're going to clarify your vision for your relationship, consider these qualities and how you want to um, presence them. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much again. It, this was a juicy, beautiful conversation. And this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more about me, obviously go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you're looking to deepen and strengthen your relationship with yourself, first and foremost, date yourself and also have some breakthroughs, make sure that you sign up for a free breakthrough call with me, which you can book right here by clicking on the link in the show description. And stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.